Hey everyone, it's Elsie from Chit Chat with E. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all of the feedback that I'm getting. Uh, we're going to get into a conversation today about Miley Cyrus and her documentary. A little bit about conversations. A little bit about prison. A little bit about how things are going in this world. Uh, I have a few things on my mind that I wanted to talk about it. So let's get into it. Let's chit chat. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. Let's chit chat. Miley Cyrus has this special on the Disney Channel and it's titled Miley Cyrus Endless Summer Vacation Backyard Sessions. She looks amazing. She gives a little background about the songs that she wrote. And she also, I, I love the part about her being so real when she speaks. And also the part about her being close to her mom and how her mom was close to her mom. And that her, her grandmother passed away, her nana she called her. And she passed away and that she was in charge of her, her fan club. And that was like a big thing to be in charge of her fan club. And I, I felt like that was so special to to listen to and just to see a part of her. I really enjoyed it. It's really a great documentary of her music to watch. And it's only 42 minutes. I wish it was a little longer, but it's actually perfect in time if you think about it. And she performs. And I love her background singers. They're all so very beautiful. And even the musicians, everything is like so beautiful in this in this little documentary. And... I mean, I just wanted to say that. Building a great culture starts with surrounding yourself with individuals who show humanity, kindness, and positivity. As a leader, it's important to not look the other way when certain individuals are negatively impacting the team's culture, especially if they are top performers on paper. Gary Ray Nerdchuck said that. And you know what? He's a successful CEO. And I noticed he has a few companies under his belt. I think he's completely right about kindness and positivity. As individuals, we really need to spread this. It is so important to keep ourselves in a positive bubble because, you know, there are so many people out there that will try to come and shatter that bubble for you. So you have to stay focused. You know, I'm, I'm one person that I don't like to treat others the way they treated me. Unless it's at the moment that I'm like upset that I have to say something. But I don't like to be like, oh, I'm revengeful. Let me go get, let me, let me get this person back. That is not me. However, there are people out there that push your button so hard that sometimes you're like, oh my God, please don't let me be this person. So yeah. I believe in all of this. I believe in positivity and I believe he's right. So I agree with Gary. I enjoy listening to him. He's very uh, powerful with his words and he's successful. So, I mean, that's someone that actually I think has great points when it comes down to uh, cultivating your, um, your business and, um, you know, just progressing in life. He's, he's someone that has really good advice. I watched the movie From Prada to Nada. <laughs> the title makes me laugh. I have to say, it was a cute movie. Remember, guys, it's always spoiler alert on my podcast. So if you don't want to know about it and you want to watch the movie on your own, I suggest you fast forward. The story is about two girls that are like riches to rags. 
and must adapt to moving into like it's like a barrio in LA. I love the culture that that they portray in this movie. You actually go into this area where the families are, you know, they have these cute little homes and they everybody's it's so Spanish and a lot of things that are going on. I know it's like a comedy the movie, but you can see like if you're from that culture, you can see, oh yeah, like that's something that my family would do or or that's how my mom dresses, you know, something like that. I just love that. And in this movie, I saw a lot of that. It was a Mexican culture, and I saw a lot of it. And they had, like, a great party in the, in the movie. You know, I think they were celebrating a day of shouting. I think that's what they were saying. That, hey, it's a shouting day. This is the day that you scream. And then I Googled it. It's known as the Day of the Shout of Dolores. This event is celebrated on the night of September 15th, when the Mexican president rings a bell at the National Palace in Mexico City at 11 p.m., the president then shouts the cry of patriotism based on the cry of Dolores, also called the cry of independence. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the plot. I enjoyed the whole storyline. I enjoyed the laughter, crying, the tragedy, everything. I enjoyed this movie. I, I have to say, it's not an important movie for you to watch, but it's something that is like super fun to watch. And if you're looking for that kind of movie, if you like those type of movies like I do, it just had everything in it. It had love, humor, a little bit of fashion, super fun to watch. Let's talk about inspiration and the connection someone captures when they're telling a story. You know, I like a good story. I love when people tell stories and you can sit there and listen and imagine yourself in the story. And it doesn't matter what the story is about. It's how the story is told. And on top of that, they talk about their experience in the story. I like to be that kind of person that tells those kind of stories. I mean, I am a humorist. I mean, a lot of people always laugh. They say, oh, you're so funny, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, okay. But, and, I, and I think I do tell good stories once in a while. But um, that good storyteller that always brings out the crowd and everybody's like sit down, you know, they're sitting down and listening and surrounding them. I love that. I love that kind of person. And you know who's a great storyteller? And God bless him because right now I heard he's in the hospital and he had a stroke. So I hope he's doing better. Jamie Foxx. He actually tells really great stories. And, and I love that he always puts his experience into it. And he really is a good storyteller, I have to say. And that's why he makes people laugh. Like, he entertains people. He's a good entertainer. And I'm always calling myself a self-entertainer. That's what he is. He's a self-entertainer. He can entertain himself and crack up. <laughs> and crack up. And that's exactly how I am. That's so funny. But anyway, speaking of him, the other day I saw a reel of him talking about Puff Daddy telling him he threw a party for a million and a half dollars. And he said, what? <laughs> he could throw him, I could throw you a party for 400 bucks. He like, he's one of those guys, you know. <laughs> and he said he came to town one time where Jamie lived. And, you know, Jamie said he has a modest house. It's probably a huge house. Um, he said, oh, what's up? You know, I'm here in town. What are we going to do? He said, hey, don't worry about it. I got you. So he said he invited about 200 people in his, he called it modest home. I invited a lot of my celebrity friends because I know a lot of people and they came over and guess what I bought? He told Puff Daddy, look at that table over there. He goes, I bought KFC and put it on a nice plate. <laughs> he said he put Coke and put it in a nice pitcher. And he said he was, he was in it for like 200 
and eight dollars, and his party was killing it. And then he started <laughs> he started laughing, but it's true. So many spend so much money when the best parties are usually the ones where everybody brings something and just enjoy each other's company. You know, I love that. Good times. That's good times. And you know, hopefully he again. Hopefully he recovers uh, quickly. So he can come back to us and tell us these stories because he is really entertaining to watch. So I just wanted to say that. So this is a little weird, but it's happening. The mayor and NYPD have announced some new robots on CBS the other day. And it feels a little, I don't know, creepy or I don't know. One of these movies coming to life. And these robots are called KF, the autonomous security robot. The Spot Digger Door Robot, the Star, which is a GPS attachment system robot, and these robots will start patrolling on Times Square. I hope they don't give them guns because then it's really a catastrophe because sometimes these things go crazy. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, I'm a little, it's a little scary because, you know, people, these hackers... There's hackers out there doing these crazy things, hacking into your system. What makes you think they can't hack into these damn robots? You know, I'm, I'm really hoping they don't give them any kind of weapons and, you know, just surveillance and that's it. Because there's nothing that, um, that ha- you know, like humans, the humans aren't, you know, humans, they don't know how to act sometimes. And I can already see somebody trying to hack this thing. I already see somebody already contemplating how they're going to hack these freaking robots. Jesus Christ. I hope that doesn't happen, though. I really hope they don't give them any kind of weapons. That's all I'm saying. I got these little remedies from uh, Dr. Joseph Salhad for nausea and vomiting. And it says here, the fastest way to get rid of nausea and vomiting is to um, inhale isopropyl alcohol, which is basically rubbing alcohol. And it says it can help faster. That's good to know. And another way is also to uh, take over-the-counter medication. It's a children's gravel. And you can crush it and stick it under your tongue. And that will help as well. Because I, and, and if you're anything like me, I'm like, what the hell is gravel? I never used that for my kids. So I was like, what the hell is that? So then it says uh, that gravel is exactly what it is. It's for nausea and vomiting, but it's for children. So there you go. Those two things. You're welcome. The other day, I was listening to Carlos King's podcast. And Carlos is um, one of the producers that has produced some of the Housewives franchise. And he's still a friend to a lot of the Housewives. And he has a podcast called Reality with the King. And he talks a lot about the Housewives franchise, of course. He was actually Teresa's producer, and she's very uh, uh, friendly with him. Except she didn't invite him to her wedding. So that was kind of like, oh, shit. But he forgave her, though. He's nice. <laughs> but she didn't invite him to her wedding. That was messed up, because that was a nice wedding. Uh, apparently, Bravo assigns all of the ladies to a producer. So they each have like their individual, let's call it handler. <laughs> And the handler helps them, <laughs> except they're co-producers. <laughs> anyway, he has become successful in his own production. And the other day, he had a former New York housewife on his 
podcast. This is one of the I started listening to this podcast just uh, a few days ago, and I, I actually like I enjoy him. I enjoy his interviews. I enjoy um, the way he talks. I just enjoy. He's really fun. So this is uh, even though I hate saying this, still the first, the first. I hate the first of anything. You know what? Especially when it comes to nationality, you know, participation. However, this guest, her name is Ebony K. Williams, and she was the first housewife on Bravo who is black. I'm a little confused though because she's not even from New York, but she she was originally she's originally from. Charlotte, South Carolina, meaning I'm not sure if she is fully invested to being a New Yorker yet. You know, I, I say if you're here 20 years, okay, you're a New Yorker. If you're not here 20 years, you have invested in, honey. That's how I feel. I mean, that's just me. A lot of people say five years. I say 20. I like the way she speaks. She has a good vocabulary. And there was one thing that she mentioned that I actually like, and I think I'll, I will start using it. She mentioned that there are a few housewives that are meant to be termed force multipliers and she said she got it from an nfl coach according to ebony a force multiplier is a type of individual that you can drop into any scenario and everyone around them will come alive you know everyone around them will start offering something better different stronger more just because of the way they, that this this individual is and i might add carlos is funny because he's saying uh, Carlos is funny because he said once she mentioned sports, his gay ass tuned out. <laughs> He's funny. Uh, anyway, that was funny <laughs> when he said that. Um, he also said he referred it as Queen Bee. That he don't call it that, but he calls it Queen Bee, the Queen Bee of the group. So I thought it was so cool to use that term. So don't be surprised. If I use it from now on, and I noticed that Carlos has been using it a little bit, you know, on his show after that conversation he had with her. But just for the record, I call it life of the party. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. This is a sad story. A man dies after being eaten alive by bed bugs in a filthy jail cell. As the staff did nothing, this 35-year-old LaShawn Thompson was placed into, into a psychiatric wing after being arrested on a misdemeanor charge and died three months later. And this happened in Georgia, and he received no help from staff who did nothing to address his deteriorating health. So sad. That's a sad story. You know, come on. I mean, you being a guard, you're passing by, you don't see that it looks disgusting. You're not going to help this guy? Like, you're not going to say something. You're not going to do something. You're just going to walk by and watch this guy deteriorate, like they said. That's sad, man. Come on. What happened to humans? Like, this, is like, I, this is why I couldn't be a correct. I, I was going to be a correction officer. I, I decided not to because I didn't want to run into things like this. But this is so sad. You know, I hope they win the case, to be honest. How are you going to let this guy in there, you know, just... I, I know he had issues, but... Nobody deserves to die like this. And then he had a misdemeanor, he was saying here. What, kind of, what, the shit, what the hell did he do? I didn't even look that up because I'm just upset about the whole him dying. Arrested on a misdemeanor, and then he goes and dies three months later in this damn cell? And of course he went crazy because just picking these things, he's locked in a box. Jesus, this is, ugh, I guess, so... This is when I get so upset about things like this and... 
and I'm not the only one. There's a lot of people out there fighting for, for justice, and, and this is not fair. This, this young guy didn't deserve to die like this. He didn't. There's nothing that you can do besides rape and, and kill somebody that, you know, um, and, and destroy somebody, like, physically or mentally, whatever it is, that you, that you deserve to die. There's nothing that you can do unless it's part of that whole scenario. It's crazy. I tell you, I get into conversations with people and it's like, I am like one of those people that we, I strike up a conversation and I get into these weird conversations. So it was a coincidence. I'm reading that article and I was just talking about that with the taxi driver. And you know, guys, if you know me, I talk to everybody. I mean, I spark up a conversation with anyone, even little kids. So yes. So I got into the cab. And I remember I needed change. And he was like, oh, yes. And I was like, oh, you don't have change? Didn't you? Aren't you a taxi driver? Like, you should have change for your, for your customers. He goes, oh, no, but I just, I just finished settling my bills. And I'm like, settling your bills? But the way he said it, he sounded like he was from England or something. And I think he said he, said he grew up in New Zealand or something like that. And bam. There goes the conversation. Next thing you know it, I knew he was from Nigeria, that he grew up in New Zealand, and really nice guy too, really nice guy. We got into a big conversation. He became my friend instantly. So during the conversation, we started talking about some crazy, you know, how crazy the world is, and, you know, I don't know how we started, but we started talking about jail. Yeah, girl. Yeah, guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't even say girl. You don't usually say yeah, girl, <laughs> but now that you know what to say. Because there's a lot of people listening, boy or girl. So, yeah, yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, listeners. <laughs> yeah, listeners. That's what we started talking about. Jail. It was strange, but it's true. He, he goes, I don't want to go to prison. Like, very casually, I don't want to go to prison. But if I did, I would go to prison in Dutch or the Norwegian areas okay because those are known to be the best prisons in the world and i was like what really being trapped in a in a, in a prison is good and he goes those are some good ones he said when the men in new zealand were tired of their wives they tried to get arrested because anyone that goes there doesn't want to come out they're the best prisons in the world and they have all the amenities that a man would want can you can you believe that can you believe that? That is so crazy. So he said, yeah, he's like, oh, like going into a, like going into a, a resort or something. That's how he explained the place. And I was like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I go, well, the jail's here in New York. You can forget it. Because Rikers Island, they kill each other in there. And, and it's horrible conditions, I heard. So anyway, however, in Africa, the prisons are horrible, he said. And I was like, really? He goes, yep, they are really in bad conditions. They're the worst to go to. And then... I did a little research because you know how I am, and he was right. The Dutch prisons seem to be a real rehabilitation for the individuals that go in. And to be honest with you, that's what it's supposed to be. They shouldn't even call them prisons. They should call them rehabs because they are supposed to be a rehab place for the people to go in and get rehabilitated. However, they go in and come out worse. From, from my experience, from seeing how people come out of jail, they come out worse. And, and the sad part is when they come out, they come out to no jobs. They come out to broken families. They come out to violence. They, 
they come out with PTSD, they come out broken, they come out, you know, lost. A lot of times they don't have the structure or the support that can help them even get better. So a lot of times this is why a lot of uh, prisoners uh, go back in because they can't relate to society because society hasn't provided anything good for them to come out to. You know what I mean? Like when you come out to society, you coming out and there's no job for you, how are you going to support yourself, you know, to get through this society? That is something that has been a real big issue in America. And then, okay, so the jails that he's talking about, and I was looking, there's like, I, I only have like six right now because it was a, there was a few other ones, but I, I just chose six from this article. It says the jail, which is located on Bastoy Island in Islo, Jordan, has 100 inmates who enjoy luxuries such as tennis, horseback riding, fishing, and sunbathing within the prison complex. The prison also has cottages to house the inmates who have lush farms to work on. Can you believe that? Imagine that. Those are the kind of things, like a farm, you know, um, things like that. I don't know. I feel like those kind of places are good for people that are coming out and are trying to learn how to get back and, you know, back. Her Majesty's Prison, Addywell, in southern Scotland, is a designated learning prison where each of its 700 prisoners spend 40 hours weekly doing productive skill building works to help them transition back to civilian life once they get released. So you see they're learning a skill and they're uh, adapting it to, the, to, their life, um, to, uh, to their life when they come out. It's skill building. That's exactly what I think rehabilitation is. This is the third one. Otago Corrections Facility in New Zealand Security in this facility is as tight as in any other prison, but prisoners are provided nice lodgings to spend their time in. In addition, they are also offered classes in light engineering, dairy farming, and cuisine, among others, to rehabilitate them efficiently. See what I'm saying? There's another one. Justice Center Leo Ben Austria. This prison is used to house nonviolent offenders. The inmates are given a single cell each, a private bathroom, a kitchenette, and a television. Besides these facilities, the prison is also equipped with a gym, basketball court, and an outdoor amusement area. Amusement area? The hell? This one is in Spain, and it's called the Aran Juice Prison. The institution addresses the lingering problem of how families break apart when one of its members, especially parents of young children, are in prison. Thus, thus it allows infant children to spend their first years with their incarcerated parents. To facilitate this, the facility provides cribs, Disney figures on the wall, and a children's play area, among others. Oh, wow. This prison in Indonesia is a women's facility equipped with everything from air conditioning and refrigerators to karaoke machines and nail salons, all which come for a price. The, the complex itself is filled with gardens and sculptures and inmates are given access to beauty treatments and recreational programs if they have the dough to splurge. Or you have to have money to go that one. So yeah, those were the prisons and I guess he was right. From that conversation, I learned a little bit about something. I just wanted to say something. I know I say I have conversations with everybody because I do. However, I just wanted to point out that 
when you are having conversations, make sure you're in a safe surrounding or you feel safe, you feel comfortable, or just just make pay attention to your surroundings and know when you can have a conversation with someone because you know we really have we get you know involved and absorbed with the conversation we also have to pay attention to what's around us unfortunately yes sorry guys i just want to make sure that i tell you that because you know i encourage conversations all the time but i also encourage being safe so just wanted to say that goodness so there was a man on a plane catching a mantrum because there was a baby crying on the plane for over 40 minutes now this was the southwest airline and i remember when i took my daughter on the plane um when she was younger it was okay but actually i think we drove to florida i don't think we went on the plane with her i i think we drove to florida a few times with her when she was younger However, when she was, uh, she got a little older, we went on a cruise, so we had to take the plane to Florida, and she was seven years old, and her ears popped, and she was crying hysterical, mom, mom, I'm like, okay, calm down, calm down, it, it's going to be okay. So finally, when we went up, you know, it, it, the, the, the feeling went away, but she started getting a little scared to ride the, the planes. So luckily, my sister told her later on, yo, you have to chew gum, you know, then after that, she was okay. She started saying, oh, mom, I just chew gum and I'm okay. So yeah, she learned. However, when it's a baby, like an infant or a toddler, it's hard. You know? In order to help them, you need them to um, suck on a bottle, breastfeed them, you know, just to calm them down. And on this flight, this guy was so upset because it was 40 minutes and he was acting crazy, cursing out you know saying oh my god these people what the hell the baby's been crying for 40 minutes you know they didn't pay extra for this i paid for the you know like he was acting crazy and i don't know how i would react to that man acting crazy next to me and he, somebody told him you'll shut up already because now you're disturbing me because of course he's going to be louder than the kid because he starts cursing and doing all these things and he was like ah cursing him f you whatever it was so a lot of people are on his side a lot of people are not so then he has to get off when you start doing all that shit you have to get off the plane. Then when you get off the plane, everybody had to get off the plane because he refused to get off the plane. Everybody had to get off the plane. And then the police officers waited for him at the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, stupid shit. Like, why do you have to act like that? The baby's crying, okay, for 40 minutes. That's, that is, that's hard. That's a hard thing to swallow. However, acting like a maniac is a hard thing to swallow as well as a, as a passenger. And then you see miserable people's faces, him cursing at other passengers. His wife is embarrassed next to him. Let me tell you, it would have been, oh my God, such a disaster. And let's, t let's talk about this. As the mom, as the mom, that would have made me even worse. Because sure, my kid is screaming and I have to apologize and show my face to all these people. But now you're embarrassing me. You know what I mean? So now you're, you're going a little further with the embarrassment by doing all of this ranting in the back. That would have put me on 100. And I swear, I don't know how I would have reacted. I probably would have gone crazy because my kid is crying. You acting like an asshole. And on top of that, I have to deal with, you know, embarrass in front of everybody. You know what I'm saying? So something like that would have made me even more upset. So I don't know what the situation was. 
But he said there was two parents that were there. So I don't understand. If there was two parents, I think one of the parents would have apologized. At least I would have got up and apologized to everybody. That would have been one. And on top of that, I probably would have went crazy on his ass. Because he's acting crazy too. So it's like, you know, somebody said, now you're disturbing me when you're yelling. You know, it's enough that we have to deal with the baby. But now we have to disturb your mantrum in the back. And he's like, I don't give a fuck, fuck you. All these things he was saying to them. So obviously he's a man that doesn't have... Well, he, he broke down. I don't know. Maybe he was ready for retirement. This was supposed to be his trip. And, you know, he, he got on Southwest. And he decided to say, you know what? I'm saving money on the airline because I'm going to have a fabulous trip in Florida. And I'm going to have a great time over there. It didn't work out that way because of the whole situation. So sad. But maybe the airlines, you know, thinking about this. And I started thinking about it. Maybe the airlines should start making um, airlines for like a family-oriented airline. You know what I mean? Like, if you see kids, I mean, you don't want to have a crazy airline. But at least, you know, you can let people know half the airline. Like, do the airline half, half family families and then half um, adults that want to be on the airline. They don't mind being with kids, you know. And they should put, they should make a suggestion box to say there's the majority of the airline is full of kids. They should say something like that. So like that people are aware that there are going to be kids on the airline. You know, and you know, give people a choice that they can either ride on the airline with the children or they can ride on an airline with no children at all. That's how I see it. I mean, if it's possible, I think the airline should start thinking about something like that. Just to avoid assholes. You know what I mean? Well, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, you can find me on Instagram, Chicha with E. Please be kind and spread love for yourself and others. Until next time. Ciao.